0: The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another adventure of the Ten Eight Podcast. I'm your host, Officer Y. I've got another great conversation set to go to get today, and you're really going to want to listen to it. My guest is Nick Santos of Elio Combat Fitness. Nick is a DT instructor, MMA fighter, inner city cop, and a hell of a guy. We talked about a lot of things that are plaguing cops uh, these days, and not only that, but what we can do and what future cops can do to survive this current anti-police climate that we're in. And that conversation is going to be just moments away. But first, I got to get on my soapbox real quick. This is Ten Eight Thoughts. Today's topic is about time. Time is a very interesting concept to me and to a lot of people, right? I mean, Stephen Hawking wrote books about it. I'm not Stephen Hawking, I assure you. But basically, in my mind, one, I, got, I got two, two sides to this coin, right? On one hand, I know that tomorrow is not promised and to not put anything off. Memento Mori. Uh, It's the Stoic philosophy, which is to remember that you will die. I wear a pendant every day that tells me memento mori. And it's, it's really a physical reminder to me to not take life for granted. To quote Marcus Aurelius, you could leave life right now. Let that determine what you do and say and think. And this is a concept that I actually adopted way before I even knew what stoicism was, okay? I remember the weeks after my mother passed away in 2011, I was in a very rough spot. Uh, In that one year, I lost my best friends and the band I was in, I lost my girlfriend, and finally, and much more seriously, my mother passed away. Uh, Much of that year, I recall, is just static. Uh, I don't remember a lot of what happened or what I did, I was just in this funk, just to give a little backstory, my mother was not very healthy, but, uh, she was also very stubborn. So she wouldn't seek medical attention on her own, even if she wasn't feeling well. So when my family and I finally forced her to seek medical treatment, it was too late. She was diagnosed with advanced lung cancer and she passed away just five days later. Um, at that time that I was dealing with this, I was introduced to the Eastern form of meditation. And with that, and a beginner's intro into Buddhism, I really started to realize, you know, that I could die in an instant, which is mind-blowing for a kid at 21. You know, I mean, it happens, obviously, unfortunately, but for me, it, w- it was, it was very real. So I started realizing why on earth would I spend what could potentially be my final moments in life upset or sad about something that I have no control over? Yeah, I understand that you know mourning is important, and remembering the deceased, that's important too, but to wallow in self-pity over other situations? Or hell, even to mourn to the point of being unable to complete daily tasks that wouldn't change anything, what's the point? So with that mentality, my entire outlook on life changed. Now like I said, this whole idea of time, there's a flip side. In 2009, so a couple of years before that, uh, I had to leave college. You see, through the end of my high school career, I was completely subscribed to the idea that you graduate high school, you go to college, you get your four-year degree, you graduate, and there you go, you have a successful life. Modern American family type thing. Well, due to the economic collapse of 2008, I actually had to leave college as I started my sophomore year, and I was devastated. Uh, to the point of, I took years off from school. Um, I, I don't I want to say I ran off and joined the circus, but I went and I played around with my band up in the Northeast. Um, I, I then relocated with my family to Florida, and I actually had a lot of stuff back from high from my old college holding me back from starting school up again. So I was just, you know, um, meanwhile while all this was going on for me, the people that I started my freshman year in college with were graduating with the major that I had, and they were getting the careers that I wanted, and I was devastated watching all this so then after my mom passed and I was this 21 22 year old guy I had absolutely nothing to be proud of I had done a few cool things you know Um, I appeared in a movie but that never got produced I played in a band I did have some name recognition at the time but I was no longer in that band and the band was actually far exceeding what we accomplished while I was in it so I had no career I had a few dead-end jobs and I was living with my sister to help take care of my sick dad So I had no apartment, no house of my own, wasn't going on vacations, no cruises, I didn't have a girlfriend, no wife. So day after day, and year after year, I felt as though I was falling further and further behind my peers. And you know, I would try a new path, and then something would come up and take me away from it. And this wasn't me just starting over at the site of adversity, it was me not wasting time on lost causes. And I always said, each time that I would start one of these new endeavors, that I didn't need to see the end of the story, I didn't need to know that it got happily ever after and how we got there, I just needed a sign to know that I was on the right path. And now thinking about it, I think all these roadblocks were signs that it wasn't the right path. But you know, eventually enough issues and enough roadblocks came up, and it forced me to the path that led me to the police academy, and ultimately to the police department that I'm at now, and where I am now, you know what I mean? Um since that time, since my last, you know, life trajectory redirect, I have accomplished all of the things that it was, it, that just weren't happening for me and that I was so hard on myself for not achieving while my peers were. So the point of all this, the dive into the life of the mysterious mister Ten Eight, is that you do have time. As long as you focus your efforts and your day-to-day towards your, you know, bettering your situation, listen, you don't need to have all the answers. You don't need to have it all figured out right now. And you're allowed screw-ups. You're allowed bad days. You know, you can can fall down. Just get back up. What's that saying? You know, fall down seven times, get up eight. That's all you need. All of this is human. And it would be absolutely asinine to think that you need to be an 18-year-old, fresh out of high school, roll out into your career, and call it a day. I will even go as far to say that all the hoops I had to jump through to get me to where I am today, made me a better person and a more patient person at that. Now, I know that society likes to impress upon us that we have to follow this path. But really, that's just their way of ensuring that the co- the economy doesn't stop. And you know what? It's bullshit. It causes so much stress and anxiety for these kids. You know, I remember being 18, actually 17, and signing my first line of credit. What the hell is that shit? So, Thanks a lot for the low credit score, guys. I really appreciate it. Listen, I've changed my major some five or six times, and I will tell you I'm 30 years old and I still don't have my bachelor's degree. But what I do have is a lock solid career that is very rewarding, that pays the bills, pays my rent. You know, I have no regrets. And really, the more time goes, the why do I need a silly piece of paper that says I'm, oh, I'm a Bachelor of uh, Fine Art and Design? the fuck? why do we even offer majors like that that's ridiculous now listen Nick and I are actually going to talk a little bit about college and you know setting your path and things like that and we actually talk about a lot more I just had to get this right out um in front of the conversation because I know that it's thoughts like this that plague people especially younger people that are still trying to figure this shit out and especially in this you know 2020 corona uh cancel culture we don't know what's going on so if if i'm if i'm 30 years old and i don't know what's going on you know someone fresh out of high school really has no idea what's going on and that is not ignorance it's it's life man you're you're allowed to not have the answers so to everyone listening that's kind of going through a rough spot. They don't know what they're doing with your life. Um, Hell, even if you're 30, 40, whatever, and you're kind of, shit, man, I don't, I don't know if this is for me. Maybe, maybe you're looking in a second career into law enforcement and this is like, and you know, you're 40 years old going, shit, man, I just spent 40 years of my life. I thought I was going to be this and now I don't want to. Listen, you don't need to have it all figured out. Okay. I don't have it all figured out. I 100% trust me on that. I don't. I have no idea what I'm doing half the time. But we've all been there. Okay, I've been there. I get it. But together, we got this. Anyway, stay tuned. After the music break, Nick Santos, L.E.O. Combat Fitness. Check it out.
0: You're just like me. Your be trust me, I've been there. You're just like me. I want your to get better. Trust me, I've been there. You're just like me.
1: <laughs> all right we are back and i have today nick santos with Elio combat fitness training what's going on man
2: what's going on brother
1: not much how you doing out there oh i'm doing fine man
2: doing fine just uh living uh in this crazy world we're in right now
1: yeah absolutely everything's different you know it's what six months ago we had no idea that we would be where we are
2: today oh no idea man i mean uh, let 's just take two weeks to everyone stay inside, flatten the curve to hey everything's still shut down pretty much in some states and uh mm-hmm. and people hate the police even more, so there we go
1: and it 's crazy because before this whole well the newest uh i, I want to say reboot of the anti cop narrative, things actually seemed pretty good for once, like you know we were essential, we were you know everybody was coming out shaking our hands and and giving us high fives. it was great i agree and then one one bag thing, and suddenly it's. I mean, this is even. I would say this is even worse than the Ferguson situation a couple years ago.
2: Oh, yeah. You know what? That's a good point. I, th- I think you're right on that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think because you know, it was. I was only in the academy when the when the uh, Ferguson thing was going on. I got you. But seeing it from because I was still technically on the outside.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, but this is just a whole new level of crazy. The the situation we're in right now.
2: And just uh, – what year was Ferguson? That was uh, what, um, 14 or
1: 14. or 15, something like that, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, I'd say 14. I think I was in my – because I started uh, in policing in 2011, and I remember I'd been on for a bit, and that happened. And I was like, holy cow, this is – I mean, I knew I was going to have challenges when I started this job, but that just changed right. the narrative completely. And this right here, uh, I feel – I mean, I'm amazed whenever I meet people that want to get into law enforcement still. And For sure. part of me, I'm just like, are you sure? Like, like, why? <laughs> I, really, I really want to hear their answer, their answer to that.
1: Right. It's like if you're in it now, it's kind of too late. It's not too late, but it's like, you know, I'm here. I might as well just stick it out. Exactly. But the people that are fresh and especially like the younger generation that like, first off, they're the younger generation. So they have friends that have this negative mindset because that's just what's been spoon fed to them. Right. Probably since they were in high school. But I mean, I I commend those that still want to get into it, but it's like, uh, you know, the ones coming straight out of high school, I'm like, you know what, get, get a degree just in case. Yeah. And I'm not a big like college proponent, but just in case.
2: And get something. Yeah. If you want to do the policing thing, um, get a college degree, but get it in something besides criminal justice law enforcement. Absolutely. Something else. Get a skill set.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know when still so when I was in high school, the big thing was you know don't go to the trade schools, don't you know don't get a trade. But oh, I and I and I and I drank I drank that Kool Aid. I was like, oh yeah, you know that's that's not what I want to do. Um, so I was going to go to school for like something academic. But looking back on it, I would it should have so been the other way around. They should be promoting people yeah go get a skill set go get a trade don't you know don't be book smart because that gets you absolutely nowhere outside the school
2: yeah seriously the trades are where the money is <laughs> it's yeah, people yeah. that go and get all you know, all these fancy degrees and everything that end up you know if they luck out and or they do the work and don't give up and they end up making all this kind of money guess who they're paying the people from the trade schools that do all their work because they don't know how to do it
1: yep yeah, you're absolutely right and it also comes down to there's always going to be a necessity, right? Yes. Like, yes. like when we had the, when we're talking about essential employees and essential fields of work, you're always going to need a plumber. You're always going to need an electrician, so on and so forth. But you know, your uh, your English professor? No, nah, that's not really that necessary.
2: No, your history professor? Yeah, uh, you might work in a library for a while.
1: But after a while, it's going to dry up, and then it's going to be like, well, now what do I do? Right. Same thing with law enforcement, though. It's I always tell people when they ask me like oh I'm, I'm getting my my bachelor's in criminal justice and my master's in criminology i'm like that's cool and all man but you, everything you need to know to be a cop you learn on the streets yes you and do. through through advanced trainings mm-hmm. that you can take not not book stuff in a college Like they're going to give you the the reader's digest version of what law enforcement is about
0: mm-hmm.
1: but none of that is applicable to the streets
2: no i remember uh so I was an FTL before I got into my gang unit here, and my first job was correcting whatever they were taught in the academy. <laughs> right. Yep. exactly. Because, you know, a lot of it is outdated or it's people that are, are assigned to these academies and they're just teaching year after year after year without being updated with the changes that are going on.
1: Right. Yep. And not only that, but I don't know how it is uh, where you're at, but for us, there were 770 hours of academy instruction, uh-huh. and there a lot of them – there were some really good instructors, don't get me wrong, but a lot of them it was like, well, I'm going to read the book verbatim. So that way if you fail the state exam, it's not my fault because oh, I can wow. show that I read – yeah. So it was it was death by PowerPoint, uh-huh. but the PowerPoint was literally the regurgitated book. Wow. So it was yeah. So like there were some classes, like I said, that were great and really got you to think, but a lot of it was just no, 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 read this so that way I don't get in trouble.
2: Well, here I'm in Illinois and um I did an academy, it was 480 hours. They've since up that to, I believe, five twenty or five sixty. I I'd have to look, but um it wasn't for more practical exercises, more practical things. It was more things that the The legislators and politicians decided, Mm -hmm. hey, police need this and they need this. So they have to throw it in the academy, There's something else. And our state exam was all multiple choice. And Mm -hmm. pretty much you just pick the least stupid answer and you got it right. Right.
1: Exactly. Like, I remember mine, my academy. Well, I'm sorry. My state exam was mostly not mostly, but I would say a majority of the questions had to do with hazmat stuff, you know, wow. uh, critical. Yeah. And I was like, this is great. Like, Oh, I don't know what the diamonds on a hazmat vehicle mean. So I can't be a cop. I mean, I passed, right. but it was crazy how much, um, how much was put into that side of it, as opposed to the stuff that we really need to know, like legal. I mean, yes. that might be a little bit important law enforcement, but you know, it, it's, it's crazy. But like we were saying, we kind of got a little bit off the path. Um, if you are listening and you're like, "Oh, I'm I'm graduating high school. Where do I go now? Because I want to be a cop." Listen, get a get a computer science degree. Learn get something. A, learn something exactly. A and experience. I think yes, and I think a lot of people nowadays, and even going back to high school, this is I got to step off my soapbox in a minute, but I feel like a lot of learning just doesn't go on. Everyone studies for a test or they memorize for a test. I should and they say regurgitate the information exactly. But then you ask them six months later, "Hey, what happened in this?"
2: Nothing. Hell like, I don't remember algebra.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I mean every once in a while, maybe like a math equation will come up or something. Very, very seldom, and I'll be like, Oh, I should have remembered that. But that's it. Like I, I can recognize it, but that's about as far as it goes. Right. We kind of had a nice intro there. Let's um let's talk about you. Um so what is your background coming into law enforcement?
2: Well, um, let's see. I uh, joined law enforcement in 2011. I went to college, and um, like a dummy, I got a four-year degree in law enforcement and justice administration, and which means I can do nothing but be a cop, pretty much. Right, right. <laughs> um, and a cop administrator at that. Exa- yes, exactly. So I did that uh, because things happened in my life where I decided I wanted to go into law enforcement. That wasn't my plan at all. Um, I came from the lower-income side of town, where we had... um. high high drug, high crime area. My um, brother was addicted to crack cocaine. And it uh, ended up took it took his life. Um, I had a nephew a month later who was um, killed in a home invasion. So these things were happening, you know, very close to my home and right here in my neighborhood. And I'm like, what am I like? What am I going to do about this? Do I just run away? Or so at that point, I decided, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go into law enforcement, even though I wasn't that big a fan of, you know, the police growing Mm -hmm. up and just you know, it was just a, a cultural thing. We just really um, almost saw an, seen as the enemy, except for, you know, a select few who actually, you know, ha- took the time to speak with us and, you know, kind of built some relationships there. So I'm now a uh, a police officer in the gang unit in the city I grew up in. Um, That's great. I, absolutely, man. I mean, I, when people ask, you know, hey, why don't you uh, go and Work for you know federal here, or state mm-hmm, here, and mm-hmm. I tell them, I said, because I became the police to protect my home, not someone else's. So, yeah, absolutely. So that, so uh, that's me in the job, at least.
1: Very cool. So um, you've been a cop from day one. Yeah, like out, out of high school became no, a cop. No, and no, the... no,
2: no. Out of, out of high school, went to college for four years. Um, uh-huh. Was in the uh, was in the army, uh, deployed to Afghanistan. And When I came back from Afghanistan, uh, my Term of service was uh, up in a couple months and I saw advertisement for an agency that was a smaller agency around here that was hiring. So I tested, I was hired and um, I worked there for three years before moving on to a bigger agency that was here and still in the same city. Gotcha. uh, Yeah.
1: Very cool. And obviously you you love it. You're still doing it. So absolutely. So you said you're part of the gang unit. What does that all entail?
2: Well, we, our job, we're a proactive unit where we, concentrate, we don't go to calls unless it's a shots fired or a shooting or anything mm-hmm. like that. We focus on the violent crimes that are related to our local gangs here. So we conduct our own investigations. We keep track of um, who's with who and who's in what gang. And the social media will watch that, um, develops uh, confidential sources or confidential informants, depending on where you are and where you work. And mm-hmm. um, our job is pretty much just to get guns off the street and stop people from um, dying unnecessarily that's our main job that's our job all day long and that's what we're judged on by our administration by how many guns are we getting off the street every month
1: okay gotcha so in all in all honesty they don't i mean obviously they care about the arrest but it's the
2: guns it's absolutely. the violence that
1: comes from the guns absolutely. yeah absolutely.
2: They're, they're not looking at oh yes this many felony arrests or anything like that no how many guns have you gotten off the street mm-hmm. from um, our uh our local gang if you will.
1: Right, right. The guys, I mean, I, I don't I'm sure everything I hear about Illinois gun laws is a lot more strict than than Florida here, but mm-hmm. you know, people that aren't supposed to have the guns. That's your that's your purpose here. Exactly,
2: mm-hmm. exactly. And there's plenty of them and I'm talking I and mean, you know, if people whoever's listening to this, they might think, "Okay, these are people in their 20s and 30s." I mean, no, a, a large majority now are teenagers.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's 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 crazy. It's terrible. You know, i that's a really good point because I know when I got into law enforcement and we learned about junior juvenile offenders, I was like, oh, that's never going to happen. And then turns out the bulk of our criminal element are juvenile offenders.
2: Yes, absolutely. It's – oh, man, so much more paperwork too.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure your juvenile justice system is just as uh, – yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of a political way to put that, but there really is no way to put yeah. that. Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: and
1: and even even for us, I feel like even we've got kids here eight years old in gangs. Not And, and yeah. we're not talking, oh, yeah, they're just going to steal your bike. They're going to steal some candy. No, these are stealing cars, shooting
2: people, yeah. shooting houses, dealing drugs. It's crazy. Yes. And the older ones, they – use this and say, Hey man, you're not going to, you're going to go away for like, you know, a week and they're going to, you'll come right back home or whatever. You're a juvenile, juvenile, you know, they can't, so you're going to do this or whatever. And this is the first sense of family. A lot of these kids have, they don't have a sense of order at home. They don't have family. They don't have goals at that point. You know what they want to do, what they want to be. So these older guys, they groom, they groom them. Honestly, they Mm -hmm. groom them
1: for sure. Yep. They do. And they give them a sense of camaraderie and a sense Mm -hmm. of structure and, you know, I don't have kids, but I know that children need structure. So if yes. you're going to get all these positive reinforcements, money, attention, all these yeah. flashy things right. and the structure, I'm going to go
2: with that. What am I supposed to tell a teenager that I'm I'm talking to and I'm searching because I know he's in the gang and everything? And I pull, you know, $1,500 cash out of his pocket. What am I supposed to tell that kid? Hey, go get a job at McDonald's. You know, that, that'll right. be better for you. And just like, oh, it's. It, it, it's so hard, man. They see the cash. They see these things. They, you know, they they flaunt their money online and everything because mm-hmm. that's what's gives them clout as kids around here call it, you know? It gives them yeah. recognition.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, I mean, let's be honest. If you and I could make that much money legally as adults, we would do it. You yes, know what I mean? Absolutely. Like absolutely. It, it, it absolutely makes sense, especially if you look at it from that mindset. So it's, you know, what you're doing is a very tough job and it's almost like... I don't know. You're, you're kind of fighting an uphill battle because it's just so glorified to these kids that it's just going to keep going and going and they you know, you're not going to stop it. All you can do is try to stop the individual
2: crimes that are happening. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's terrible. I mean, it's, I mean, policing wasn't designed to do all the things that it's doing. You know, we were, mm-hmm. you know, it, was, it has, you know, some bad background partially in the past and everything, but when it got to modern day policing, it was meant, you know, to enforce the law, protect businesses, protect, you know, victims, people. Now mm-hmm. it's everything is thrown on the police, everything. You have to be a psychiatrist, psychologist, mm-hmm. you have to be, you know, a uh, martial artist. You have to be, you know, a, yeah. a, a magician. You have to be, you have to be everything. I mean, when people don't know who to call when they have a problem in their life, they call the police,
1: call the police. If, uh, If the neighbor's dog came over and pooped on your lawn, we're gonna call call the the police. police. Yep. If uh, if the store isn't open on time, we're gonna call the police. Like
2: all these things. Mm -hmm. If I didn't get, uh, if I got nineteen chicken nuggets instead of twenty, call the police.
1: Call the police. Yep. (laughs) I think there's a it's it's just crazy, and the worst part is that the way things are now the police go to these calls and, and you know, they're going to say, Oh, it's civil, but God forbid that civil call turns into something major. You're going to be on the news in a matter of seconds. Oh,
2: 100% man. They're, I mean, that's the news story. Everyone's is hoping for right now. They want that.
1: Yeah, they, they want, and you know, it's, I remember even starting and we're talking five years ago going to that civil call laughing about it all right have a nice day but now people are agitating that situation on purpose so it's going to garner that reaction i had a situation where it was a shoplifting um and it was a store that typically doesn't even press charges if they get their merchandise back they'll just uh-huh. trespass the guys and it was they were juveniles and sure enough Cool. Uh, it led to a physical altercation and whatever went to an arrest when the police got involved. And when you come, you know, when everything calmed down and you're getting all the merchandise back and now these kids are going to jail, you find out it was for three, three, $3 items. That's what this all happened for. And you're like, I, I remember seeing that situation and going, this is going to be the next YouTube video. Like yeah. it was, it was going that way. And it, right. it's, it's a very scary situation. Absolutely. For multiple reasons.
2: Oh yeah, Absolutely.
1: You know, no, no one, no one wants to be that guy, like period, you know, know. (laughs) cops want to stay out of the spotlight as much as possible for good or bad reasons, but Mm -hmm. especially the bad reasons.
2: And that's why I do what I do on the side here. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Doing the goon stuff in the shadows. Absolutely. So in addition to your law enforcement position right now, what you also have a company too, right?
2: Yes. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um. Well, my online presence, Um. my pages are um, LEO Combat Fitness, and I subcontract for a, another company called Paladin Tactical LLC here in Illinois. And our big thing is just providing training that you are not getting in the academy when it comes to law enforcement. We train civilians and military as well, but it's the law enforcement part that really needs it the most right now because of what's happening in our nation. It's It's insane. So a little bit more about my background. When I, um, when I got out the army, I was uh, doing mixed martial arts. I was training with some people because I got introduced to jujitsu while I was in the army and I I loved it. I'm like, wow, this is fantastic. I mean, I have these smaller guys who are able to tie me up like a rag doll. And I'm like, wow, how would you do that? This is crazy. I mean, it's just insane to me. And you did it all without, you know, one punch to my face at all.
1: <laughs> right.
2: And I'm, I'm a decent sized person. I'm, I'm six 240 pounds that I walk mm. around with. That's, that's my average weight. And it was, it was insane to me. So I started training in mixed martial arts and ended up, uh, getting to the point where I was fighting professionally. I was, uh, fighting under, um, Mark Fiore, who was, uh, the nine time UFC world champ, uh, Matt Hughes's coach. So I trained with all kinds of uh, UFC, Glory, professional fighting, league, Bellator vets, and still talks to them every single day. And all these things I was doing when I got hired, and I was introduced to defensive tactics that I was being taught in the police academy. I was mm-hmm. just, I was like, "Whoa! Like this is this is not going to work." no, this is garbage. No, this is like, and, 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 later on, I started realizing it was just liability type stuff that they were going with, but no, yep, what yep. you're doing is you're setting up your officers to fail and mm-hmm. have to use deadly force because you do not provide them with the tools they needed to succeed. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have so many of these videos if we put more emphasis on that. And I've gone even further here locally in Illinois. I've worked with, um, um, legislators and uh, political companies and we're trying to increase the make it mandatory by law to increase the defensive tactics training and uh, actually dedicate entire in-service day to it mandated as well as updating the type of tactics you're teaching not the same 1980s um, paying compliance crap that you know mm-hmm. it's just i mean yeah it might work on grandma yeah <laughs> right yeah. but <laughs> it, it, it's insane it's the lack of control is when we get to our bad parts, man, we get, we get to these bad areas in our brain. You know, we have this something in our brain called the amygdala. The amygdala is your lizard brain. So um, what happens whenever you lose and you don't have a sense of control, you have an amygdala hijack. If you want to see an amygdala hij- hijack, in, ax- in action. Um, Heather Gracie gives a great example. Take someone that doesn't know how to swim and throw them in a the pool. Mm-hmm. Watch them just start freaking out and doing whatever they have to do to survive. That's what yeah. happens to cops when they don't have a sense of control and they're fighting with somebody for their life, they do whatever they have to do to survive. At that point, they're not thinking about the consequences. They're not thinking about the, um, Hey, what is the, what is the cameras going to think? What is, no, they just, they just want to go home. They don't want to die. Right. Yeah. And, and you don't even need control, but you need a sense of control. So I, I teach um, Gracie survival tactics. Um, I was uh, taught that under, instructor Evander nunez of uh, gracie university um i teach ambush uh counter ambush um under tony Blair. and if you guys don't know tony Blair, you guys need to check him out he's on all the social media platforms and everything but he's the mind and like he's the the pinnacle of information when it comes to violent encounters trains tier one operators all over the world he trains police officers medics soldiers everything man this guy mm-hmm. tony blauer is amazing man he just so i teach him his counter ambush type stuff as well to officers and there's just so much that's out there that we need to have mandatory in our training so that we can do our jobs effectively and we don't end up being on the news we don't end up being charged just to fit the political climate you know one day right. in atlanta hey if a person if a person uh if you use a taser on somebody—that's you using deadly force. The next week, if a person takes your taser and uses it on you, well, and that's not deadly force now because uh, um, it was a person using it, not a cop. What does a cop have magic powers in his hand that's going to make <laughs> right, it makes oh, it stronger? Yeah, it's it's just pandering, man. It's it's insane, mm-hmm. and they think a lot of people think they're helping by passing these new things, like we're going to ban this, we're going to ban that, but in reality, you're taking away options that are going to get more people killed,
1: right? Yep, absolutely. And you also have this thing where, I don't know if they've had it up by you, Um, it's it's coming down to Florida where they're actually updating the use of force matrix, um, which when I started, they were like, oh, use of force matrix. And then literally the day I got hired, no, 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 we're not using that anymore. We're going to do something else. Well, now there's another one where it's a whole uh, cycle thing where you basically have to keep reassessing every time that you know, there's, there's a failure to comply. And I'm like, that's just going to get you more hurt. And like you're saying, if you don't even have to touch a single thing on your duty belt and you can handle it just by being physical with somebody, then there's no question. If you're just able to restrain someone, tie them up, whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. that's going to, there's no an end without throwing a punch because we all know that punches and strikes and kicks, they, they look bad. And since everyone is worried about what, people see nowadays but if you are literally just holding someone back and you know where to put your body and what angle to work Mm -hmm. that looks a whole lot better and it's just as effective as anything if not more effective
2: as anything on your tool belt well it's yeah absolutely so much more effective that's the thing um it's called tool reliance people think they have these this batman belt and everything you need is right there Mm -hmm. i uh, i've okay so i'm entering my i've entered my 10th year in law enforcement now i have never used pepper spray once the mm-hmm. situation hasn't come up. I don't have a taser. I've turned it down probably six, seven times because I've seen the terrible things where officers will use a taser. It doesn't work. But for some reason, they still keep pulling that trigger. Like it's all of a sudden going to work. Like all yeah. of a sudden that, that barb leapt up from the ground and leapt into the sub, the suspect's leg. And now it's going to connect. It's, it's insane. You, this tool reliance happens, man. When you, if you really just understand the human body and know how to control people, it can help you out so much more. And it doesn't take, an um, immense amount of training this just takes an understanding from some training you just have to have that right. understanding and we spend all this money I, I say you know we spend all this money as police officers on you know the new oakley's the new you know Tac 511 pants and wh- whatever we, you know we spend all this money mm-hmm. on it and but we can't spend you know 80 90 bucks you know a month to go Learn something that can save your life, something that can save your house, something that can mm-hmm. keep you going home to your family every day. Now, oh, right, come on, man. Right. Our, our priorities are messed up. Yes, it should be in our department to um to provide this stuff. But hey, if they're not providing it, then you need to go out and get it your own. Your department, if they allow you to make uh, mod- modifications to your equipment, such as the type of duty belt you wear, the type of boots you wear, if they allow you to do that, I guarantee you, you guys are going out there and doing that, aren't you? Because mm-hmm. the food is more comfortable, or this duty belt. Um, I like it a lot more because of this or that. It's the same thing, man. So it's about your priorities as an individual at that point.
1: Yep. You are you're, you're hitting it right on the head. Um that's kind of a trend with all our all the in- interviews and conversations I've had is that you know, the cops don't think, right? They're so and, and this is not to put down the people that we work with, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. They are so Willing to spend money on, you know, a college education that they can't use Uh or gear just to look the part, but they won't put their own money forward for training, whether it be for, you know, stuff to use on the streets or stuff to save their lives. Uh They just won't do it. Absolutely. And and it's exactly what you're saying, where, um, you know, they're not making that investment, and it's it's silly. It is Uh absolutely. Ignorant to not even put that investment in yourself, but you're going to go spend that same money, what at at Chick fil
2: A weekly? Like, come on, yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about it. Um, How many times a year do you, uh, does your department, without saying who they are, whatever? How how many times a year do you guys train with firearms?
1: Um, I think twice a year is our requirement.
2: Is your requirement? Do you guys do any like uh, in service type thing where you do more with firearms at all? Yeah,
1: well, yeah, they'll they'll sprinkle more in throughout.
2: How many times a year do you guys work hands-on stuff?
1: Maybe once, maybe twice a year.
2: Okay. How? What percentage of your physical encounters have been hands-on as opposed to shooting? If you had to put a ratio on it, hundred percent. So why doesn't our training reflect that? Yep, you are absolutely right. It, it's 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 asinine to me, and you know i I'm, I'm you know I train firearms plenty. A plenty. It's a skill you need to have. 100% you do. You need to have that skill set. But I wish we would put that same emphasis on, hey, I need to learn how to use my hands. Same thing, you know, I, I know it used to be a big thing. It was a big thing and it started getting popular here in the 2000s um, that, you know, officers need to stop being out of shape. That was awesome. You know, that started taking off. Mm-hmm. So officers coming in, they're, hey, they're working out. They're, you know, trying to get their diets right. I believe you just started like a new meal plan uh, today. Yeah. I- there you go. I did, I, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, th- we're making a pr- this a priority now. You know, it finally caught on. It took a while, but it finally caught on. But same time, yeah, you can be. Um, and we have, you know, my um my IG brothers and sisters there out there on Instagram. You know, doing these competitions and everything. That's all good and well, awesome. But at the same time, that, yeah, that's gonna help your officer presence. But do you know how to use those muscles? Do you know how to use that strength? Mm-hmm. So we have a, we had a, a saying um on my fight team. Whenever we saw a guy who was just a bodybuilder who you know thought he was tough, we call it popcorn muscles. So they're just for show <laughs> because we knew he didn't know how to use them. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and they found out whenever they would, every once in a while, you know, they oh, I'm going there and try it out, go out there to try it out, and then they you know end up coming in and um, they want to do sparring, you know, they don't want to do any drills or anything, they want to do sparring. All right, man. If you want to prove something to yourself, I guess go ahead. Well, they didn't prove what they thought they were going to prove, and they left, you know, disheartened and everything. And <laughs> right, but with their they, tail you know, between their legs, exactly. So we just we need to know how to do this. I mean, I I mean, I fought professionally, and and I'm entering my tenth year, and I still have not had an IA use of force complaint.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I go hands right. I've gone hands on plenty, man. I've gone hands. I've worked the I've worked the uh, the gang side of town my entire career. I've gone hands-on all the time, but I knew right. how to go hands-on. I knew how to control people. I knew how to let them wear themselves out so I can effect the arrest. These mm-hmm. are the things that we need to start doing, man. And it's not, I'm not tooting my own horn or anything. This is just something that we need because we keep seeing these tragedies. Right. We we can make a long list of cops that are now just being thrown under the bus here in the past couple of years. This list just keeps mm-hmm. getting longer, man. Keeps getting longer. It doesn't matter. The narrative is against us. The facts don't matter. Every news outlet wants to get that headline out first. And right now, it's kind of like, I'd say, like the 80s and 90s when blacks were seen as super predators and all. And that that, that was the narrative. This is who you're supposed to be against. This is who you're supposed to kind of, you know, hate and be afraid of. Now it's switched to us.
1: Yep. Where, you know, we. Show up in a, in a restaurant and everyone Looks at us but in a negative way like yeah. oh What's he gonna do absolutely. you're you're absolutely right With that and another thing Is you know we have this Problem I'm sure you've seen all the videos Of where um, The one I'm thinking of there's a guy and a girl Fighting in a parking lot with a suspect And the guy is on the ground He's trying to get control of him but it's not happening The chick is just running up behind him with yes. the Taser trying to tase the dude as the, yes. the And no one's coming to help But and I think that the not going hands-on also has to do with the confidence thing, yes. because you're standing there and this guy's, re- you know, he's he's taking the stance, he's ready to go. Well, you're not. Mm-hmm. You don't know. You don't know how to hold yourself. You don't know how to how to handle yourself in a fight like that. So, what what's the first thing you do? You grab for a, a, a weapon
0: mm-hmm. that
1: could very easily be taken away from you because yep. this guy obviously knows what he's doing and you don't. Yep. And then we got that. I think so even we, we hope we don't have to ever use force, but let's be honest. That's not the world we live in, no. but even let's just say that never happens. Let's say we don't just by having the training in your backpack has you standing in front of any suspect going, all right, whatever you want to do, I'm ready. Cause you know, I've been training, I've got the mental preparedness for this, you know, it's so just taking the physical aspect out of it, it really puts that confidence in your brain. And it makes you so much more safer on the job.
2: You're absolutely right because you get the confidence from your training. The training Mm -hmm. gives you the confidence. So you can actually, and you could take so many um, mandated courses now and actually just put them all into defensive tactics because, you know, let's, let's teach people cultural sensitivity. Let's teach people procedural justice. Let's teach people de-escalation. Let's see. You know what? If you, look at, if you look at officers on your department, anyone that's an officer listening to this, and you look at officers of your department who are some of the best talkers to people whenever they're worked up, some of the best people that can calm people down, I'll guarantee you the majority of those are people that are confident in their abilities, that know they can handle themselves. Administrators are afraid that if they teach their officers how to fight, that they're going to go out looking for a fight. When, right. they, when yeah. the opposite is actually true. If you know, you have, you have that confidence, you now have nothing to prove. You have nothing to prove. So it's just like, man, come on, man. I'll I'll say to people, man, I'll knock you out. I'm like, dude, I know you will. I I really don't want to go that way, man. You know, I I don't want to get knocked out. I don't want my partners to show up here and hurt you, you know, or shoot you or whatever, man. I I don't want that, man. But you do have to go to jail, man. This is simple, man. You go to jail, go see judge tomorrow, and then you'll get your, hell, you might get, you know, released on your own reconnaissance for all I know. But please, I don't want to fight you, man. You know, you'll end up just speaking the people better because you have that confidence. Now, not- right? You know that when it breaks bad, you'll be ready to go. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's just um, it, it's a lot of it's a lot of ignorance, and I don't say ignorance in a bad way. Ignorant, mm-hmm. as in just you lack the information. The people that are making right. decisions on these things just lack the real world information.
1: Yep, you're you're absolutely right. They um, they really need to start pushing. More defensive tactics training And you know even by say just calling it Defensive tactics it almost sounds like it's a joke
0: mm-hmm. You know like we,
1: we all have This idea you know if you close your eyes you, you think of a defensive tactics course Or instructor or whatever Come on we, we all know exactly what goes To your mind first it's not Anything that's going to be taken seriously by Anybody in this job that Needs to have it taken seriously yeah. So So with that being said Where would you suggest the, the officers listening should start.
2: Should start 100% with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I say that just because if it doesn't matter your size. A L- little bit of history on Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu was brought over to Brazil by, by someone from Japan. Brought it to a family that he was working for, and that's how he was like kind of paying for services sort of thing. And he taught this family Jiu-Jitsu. Well, the... Smallest, weakest brother out of this whole family here was watching, watching forever. We just kept watching because he was too small and weak to actually do the techniques that were being shown. So one day his older brother who was teaching courses wasn't there. He couldn't make it. He was held up somewhere, something along those lines. So the younger brother who had been watching forever actually instructs and he has variations that he's actually worked on himself for a smaller, weaker person based on nothing but leverage. Mm-hmm. leverage and and then after they're like oh wow this is making sense and it started catching on he went around he did tournaments all over there were big tournaments with giant crowds and everything and he would just defeat whatever martial art it was and then they brought it to the u.s and that's actually how the ufc started was with the gracie family coming to the u.s and they wanted to demonstrate it hey i want the top people from every martial art in the world or in this country, wherever. Come on, let's do these big tournaments. So they had sumo wrestlers. They had kung fu. They had different types of karate. They had professional boxers. They had all of this. And who wins? Hoist Gracie wins, wins the whole thing, wins the entire tournament. A 165, 170-pound guy who barely throws a punch and just grapples you and uses leverage no matter how big you are. I mean, If you can Google Hoist Gracie versus Dan Severn, Dan Severn was a ginormous wrestler, strong as an ox, And watch Hoyce Gracie make him tap out, being so much smaller than him, because he knew about leverage. He knew technique and leverage. That's all it was, man. It's and it's easy to learn too. It really is. It's very easy to learn. A lot of these great schools are around. And I every podcast that I do, I tell people, hey, if you need help finding some a place to train, tell me where you're from. I have connections all over. I know how to look at a school and determine whether it'd be a good fit for you or not. And I will do that for you. You just send me a message on Instagram, on Facebook. I've done that for multiple people, multiple people. And that's the best place to start. It is the best place to start because guess what? You're to look good on camera too. Hey, hey, this guy's fighting you, fighting you. You're controlling him. You're controlling him. And guess what? Now he's worn out and all of a sudden he's going the handcuffs and yeah, he's getting arrested. He's getting arrested for aggravated batteries, police officer, whatever your charges in your state and resisting Mm -hmm. arrest. And guess what? you're not going to be that guy who had to pull his gun and shoot somebody because you didn't have the training to handle yourself. That is the best place to start. It really 100% is.
1: Yep, absolutely. And I think another problem is that, you know, you're saying, oh, well, you know, do do this move, this move, this move. And there's guys listening right now going, I could do that. But they've never <laughs> trained a day in their life. Never
2: trained in their life. 100%. Absolutely. And so, after-
1: and. And that's going to get you hurt, too, because you're going to go in thinking, you know, you know, you're the you're the peacock. Mm -hmm. And then before you know it, the guy's going to knock you out and then you go to your weapons and then so
2: on and so forth. Absolutely. And, you know, people don't you know anyone that's in their own martial art or um, studies one specifically or two specifically. So, you know, it needs to be this art needs to be that art. And I I remember I had a. I'm trying to, I call it more of a conversation. I guess you could say on Instagram with a, um, a law enforcement Krav Maga instructor instructor mm. Krav Maga Krav Maga is great in its own right. 100%. But I've also, I'm also familiar with Krav Maga. I've also trained in it. And you know what? The control positions that you need to affect an arrest aren't there. The yeah, you will you, survive a violent encounter. Yeah. You're surviving. You might have to kill somebody, but guess what? You're still going to be in that same fight with the system afterwards, because you didn't know how, to, know how to control somebody. You just know how to do right. certain things in order to hurt them back or hurt them worse. Mm. Right. So that's why I say jiu because controlling the person is what, what's important. It's control and arrest tactics. You know, it's not, Hey, beat the hell out of the guy who won't do what you say. That's not what it is. It's right. You know how to control people.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I trained, um, when I first started, in this thing called jukido jiu jitsu mm-hmm. mm-hmm. where it's basically what you're saying is a little bit of everything it had some judo some aikido some jiu jitsu and it was really good the only reason i stopped was um the some of the people that were throwing me and doing the over the sh- shoulder and over the hip throws um either they weren't throwing me properly or i wasn't landing properly i started really getting bad pains in my neck and spine i was like
2: nope not gonna, yeah, that's, not gonna that's, that's not a good school man that most right some great there's some great jiu places um i know there's some that are go the go about that way but some where it's all about being safe it's all about everyone going you know going home without injury it's mm-hmm. all about just doing everything safe so you can continue to train because if you tr- go to training every single day and you're just getting your body torn apart that's not going to mm-hmm. help you in the long run
1: Right. Exactly. And, you know, for me, it was when I was starting out, I was an FTO and I'm like, I can't, you know, put all this stress in my body at work. And then again, when I'm training, that's not, that's not going to help me anyway. No. So what would you suggest to somebody? So now we, we got people listening. They're like, hell yeah, I want to go. I want to go train. I want to go like right now. I want to squ- sign out of my squad car and just go. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's some, they're like, you know what? Ten Eight just said about getting hurt. So what would you say to the cop? that's like now kind of apprehensive about, Oh, you might get hurt in training. What what do you say to that?
2: I'd say the right school. Number one, first of all, um, second of all, you know, this is a great opportunity that's presented all around the country. You need to go to Gracie com and look for the GST instructor schools that are put on all around the country. Currently there's only three people in the world that can certify instructors that, um, there's, there's, there's Henry Gracie. There's, um, um, his brother and there's a Vondra Nunez. They're the only ones that can certify you. They will, they fly around the country. That's just what they do. Just going around training police officers, getting them ready for this so they can bring it to their agency. I mean, I had, I recently just did a, a course. Um, I had uh, nine officers. I didn't, I put them through a week of it. And the very last thing I have them do is because this is an argument you get, well, I'm sure you can't do a jujitsu stuff with all your gear on. I'm like, okay, yeah, well, watch this. So <laughs> actually at the, at the last day, what you have to do is, you have to. Uh, me and my assistant instructor are actually the resisting people. And my, uh, like I said earlier, I'm six two two forty. My oh, um, assistant instructor instructor is six one two seventy. Oh Jesus! So we play the bad guy. We have mouth guards in. We have gloves. And you use your training, and you affect you, uh, clinch, you affect the takedown and then you just get in control positions. And we give the same bad guy behavior. You'll get from someone on the street, the things they like to do, the things they type to do based on real evidence, based on body cam evidence, based on street fights, based on our own experience, you know, with our combined experience in law enforcement and you while in your full duty gear. And so I end up getting scratched up with all the crap on your vest and belt and everything. Oh, it's, it's terrible afterwards. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm bleeding it every single time I do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, it's worth it to me because you now have that confidence while in your gear, you can still do these things. So a good school, try to get into a GST course. Absolutely. Learn what you can and find a place. If a place that you go to and you start saying either oh, being a little too rough with this. Hey, man, you can opt out right then. They're like, eh, you know what? Hey, I I'd rather go with the or say something to the instructor even. Hey man, he's going a little bit hard or whatever. Because every once in a while you'll get those guys that are like guest people that come into even a nice school where you know everyone's you know pretty safe about everything they do, and they try to be hard asses with everybody. And the instructor right. notices, and at a good school he'll um, send um, what they call you know, mad enforcers. Hey man, go roll with him next. <laughs> and, <laughs> right and so they uh, go ahead and welcome you go ahead and do the same stuff you're doing and they you end up getting your, your butt kicked and you're there and they're like hey man calm down you're wasting energy There's don't need to just try to hurt anybody technique not strength technique not strength a good school focuses on technique especially with brazilian jiu-jitsu it's technique not strength and i know you said you went to like a um a hybrid type school With your first training. Um, So funny story about that is a lot. There's a lot of those out there where um, because karate was huge for a long time. Mm -hmm. Different types of karate was huge, huge. And then Brazilian Jiu Jitsu started, you know, made its debut in the UFC. And everyone wanted to learn. Oh, man, that's what I need to learn. That's the new hot thing. That's what we all need to know. So a lot of instructors went to seminars and things like that. And they learned some stuff and they brought it back to their own schools and they made it a hybrid type school. So, <laughs> I- I'd say it's best to go to a school that's main focus is on Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. They're always they're always the nicest people because you know they can be. They don't have to worry about anything, and they teach <laughs> right, you so right. much just mentally, spiritually, and just learning the body. Man, it's just it's so good, and you will not regret it. I guarantee you, man, you won't regret it, and you'll be so much more confident on the job. So you- you'll love it. My coworkers and now some of them come, a lot of them come train with me. Um, a lot of them talk about coming to train. Like, hey, man, I need to get into it. I'm like, I just say, yeah, yeah, you should. Okay. Well, when do you go? I tell them the times. So and I'm like, well, uh, I'm not sure. I say, hey, man, I'll tell you what, just hit me up the day before and yeah, ask if I'm training the next day and um, I'll let you know. And I don't go out searching for them. If they really want right. it, come to me. You know, if you really want something in life, you go after it. That's what you do. That's with anything. You go after it if you really want something in life.
1: Absolutely. So, as an instructor, then, what what are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen the the beginners make, and how how can these beginners avoid that?
2: Biggest mistakes, let's say, when, the, when they come to train with um, with me or just with any DT thing, is they and this happens mostly with male with male officers. Ego, mm-hmm. leave leave ego at the door, man. Come in there, blank slate. Trust the process. Blank slate. Just just listen, learn. If you have a question, ask a question. If you have, if you have um, your uh, lack of confidence in like a certain thing, like I'm not sure if that work. Hey, say something. 100 percent say something. I welcome questions and challenges. I, uh, I welcome that all because I want you to be confident when you get out there. That's not for me, man. If you question what I'm saying, I, that's what I need. because as a person who believes in anything, whether it be your faith, whether it be what you do, what you teach, you should welcome challenges to it. You should welcome, if it's something that you truly believe in, welcome those challenges. A lot of old school DT guys, you know, when someone says something, well, I'm not sure about that. Well, well, you know, you just need to sit there and be quiet. Like, <laughs> right. Are you kidding me, dude? Come on, man. It's just, no, Hey, your job is to teach you type. Your job is to actually present something that can actually be used by everybody big problem with modern day DT things that I've seen and where the confidence lack happens, the lack of confidence happens is you'll see them on, uh, throughout the years on Police One or on Law Enforcement Today or whatever. They teach these strength-based things that are not going to work for that smaller officer, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. smaller female officer, the smaller male officer. It doesn't matter. Why are you teaching something that not everybody can use? Right. Teach something that everyone can use. But first-timers, just Going there, Blake Slate. Going there, wanting to learn. Know that, hey, this is a chance for me to save my life. This is a chance for me to continue my career. This is a chance to keep me out of jail because who knows who's in office at this point and who wants to make a name for themselves, you know, taking it to the police and holding them accountable, quote, accountable, quote unquote, you know? Absolutely. But you have to do it because if you don't, you're setting yourself up for failure, guys. All you have is that stuff on your belt and you're going to be questioned about it every single time.
1: Right, and even if you used everything it, according to your policy, according to the law,
2: mm-hmm. hey, maybe
1: maybe you say something wrong in that interview, and then it doesn't matter. All yeah. of that doesn't matter. Yeah,
2: so. absolutely. There, there's three fights. Um, Tony Blauer uh, preaches these three fights that you have to that you'll have with every violent encounter. You have you versus you. So if you are already not confident in yourself because you don't have the training, you've already lost. Okay. There's you versus the bad guy, which, you know, speaks for itself. And then you versus the system.
0: Mm-hmm. So you have to
2: learn all these things. You have, to, you have to win all three of these fights in order to be successful. So if you just don't have the training and you go in and you just use your firearm or something else or whatever is going to look bad because you were, quote, unquote, in fear for your life, hey, you're, you're probably going to lose one of those fights, if not two. And yeah, are you're you're done buddy you're you're gone you're hung out to dry you're fired you're living in solitude like you know darren wilson you know hell just trying to hide from the nation because you know they painted you out to be some monster that you're not
1: right and and again you could be totally justified and you Mm -hmm. you could face these charges and they could get Uh dropped but your Uh life is never going to be the same after all it's not
2: no it's not it's not at all it's funny we have all these um we have all these videos and we have more and more officers who are training nowadays. Thank thank goodness. We have all these videos where we have these things going bad with police officers. It's funny, I really haven't seen uh one for someone who's like, you know, actually trained and spent time training in uh jujitsu or um ground tactics uh variation that you know goes viral. Really <laughs> right. don't see it. It's kinda weird. Right. Yep. The only one that I
1: remember seeing that you're that you're speaking of uh, I think is in Nevada and it was a live PD thing where the guy broke bad. He was being detained, took off running and then the cop got him and he got him in the right control. And um, but it's very rare. Uh-huh. We don't see that enough. And, yeah. and, and that's, and you know, that's been the point of the whole episode that when that does go viral, it's everyone going, that's what should happen. That's how it's done. Yada, yada. It's never, yeah. Oh, well the What's cop should have, Cause there's nothing negative to say, no, like, oh, no. well, the cops shouldn't have. No, the guy just shouldn't have fought. Mm-hmm. That's that's
2: it. Absolutely, absolutely. Just you got you have to fucking see the stuff, like for what it is, man. This our body cams, and you know, you live PD phone you around, you know, R P mm-hmm. live PD miss you, um, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> and all these things. That's your litmus test for what you're going to encounter, man. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's 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 right there. That's your video evidence. That's right there. It's in your face, showing you what you're going to encounter. Another live PD thing. Um, now that you brought it up, I remember seeing is a guy um, he's, who's had a, a, a suspicious vehicle and he gets him out. The guy takes off running and he grabs him and he gets him in the control position. And he ends up on his back and he's um, holding him in a rear uh, rear control mount. And he actually has a gun in his waistband. He's trying to reach for and the guy's actually controlling him while his partner's able to come up and help him out. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Hey, the cop might be dead. Or he, that cop might have shoot him and there'd been all sorts of questioning about it. But that officer yeah. knew what he had to do. He knew he knew what to do. He just had control of the guy, man. He had that confidence. He didn't have that amygdala hijack where he freaked out and was drowning in the pool and then pulled that gun because that's the only option he had. These are things we have to do, man. This, this needs to be mandatory. It 100% needs to be mandatory. If you're getting to this job thinking it doesn't need to be mandatory, you're fooling yourself, guys. You're fooling yourself and you're going to be that guy on CNN who's getting torn apart, man.
1: Absolutely. Well, Nick, this has been an absolute amazing conversation. Um, I think we really hit a lot of great points and hopefully the people listening uh, took this and and they're going to run with it. Um, But now we're going to switch. We're going to go. So we're going to end that part of the conversation. It was absolutely perfect. And we're going to go to what I call signal three. So basically signal three where I work is a hit and run. So these questions are going to be hit and run. I'm going to give you a question, and first thing that comes to your mind, answer it and bring it out. All oh, right? Oh, wow. okay. All right. It's not It's not that bad. It sounds a lot worse than it is. All right, here we go. What is the – I'm sorry. What is your proudest moment in law enforcement?
2: My proudest moment in law enforcement would still be the time a little four-year-old girl that we saved from her – drug addicted, alcoholic grandmother who was beating the hell out of her. This girl had to be no more than I'd say five years old in a parking lot. Just, just beating the hell out of her enough where like neighbors were coming out and trying to stop her and we get there and I arrest her and we take her to the hospital to get checked out. And before we have to leave her with, you know, childcare, um, services, um, she says, officer, and she walks up to me and the rookie that I'm training and she has her stuffed animal and she says, Will you give both of us a hug? <laughs> God, <laughs> I will never ever forget that. Never ever forget that. Just yeah. just that moment, man, it made my heart just feel good. And yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all the negative things that happened, it just that made my heart feel good until this right and it's... no, I said that was years ago, man. I still feel it today.
1: Yeah. What is your dream vacation destination?
2: I think my dream vacation destination would probably be Dubai and the United Arab Emirates. And that was because when I was, when I was deployed, we were uh, we worked with these guys from um, the United Arab Emirates two days a week. One day it was a combat mission. One day it was a uh, humanitarian mission. And before they left for the uh, crisis in Libya to help out with that, they threw this big party, a lobster, steak, everything. <laughs> and they gave each one of us in my unit a $500 watch. I'm like, what? Oh, I'm like, yeah, we're <laughs> yeah, we're rich over there. I'm like, oh, well, I need to come see that place. <laughs>
1: right. That's awesome. Um, what's your favorite movie?
2: My favorite movie is Life with uh, Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy. Yep. If you haven't seen it, it's mandatory watching. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what is your go-to day off drink?
2: Are we talking about uh, outside of water? Yes. Oh, tequila. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really? Tequila. Terramana, tequila. the Rocks tequila. Awesome. Love it.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, where's your favorite place to hang out on duty?
2: My favorite place to hang out on duty is any place where I can only have to look in front of me, honestly. <laughs> so I can sit there and just gather my thoughts, do some paperwork, do some personal stuff, where I don't have to be watching constantly. Because we live in a yeah. world now where cops just get ambushed for being cops. Nothing more. Yeah, absolutely, pure prejudice.
1: Uh, what is your favorite cop
2: movie? Ooh, favorite cop movie. I'm gonna have to go with End of Watch.
1: Okay. End of Watch.
2: Yeah, I, I think that, that that kept it the realities of it, you know, pretty pretty real there. I thought that was awesome.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I think, and someone else said that previously. And what um, really resonated with me is the inside the car stuff, like that. Yes. The action scene, like the action sequence, they didn't really do anything for me. Right. But the inside the car, the camaraderie, the buddiness, like that—that that is law enforcement to a T.
2: One hundred percent. One hundred percent. It is absolutely. Yeah, you,
1: yeah, you want to humanize the badge. Show more stuff like that. that <laughs> <is> t-
2: <laughs> yeah. that's the job um
1: all right middle of the night you are uh you know working graveyards whatever what do you turn to energy drinks coffee or something else
2: uh we'll try to stick with uh energy drinks honestly i go to coffee every once in a while coffee is usually a morning thing for me but middle of the night Mm -hmm. yeah it's got to be an energy drink man it's got to be you know a a bang probably
1: yep yep gotcha what um what is your walk-on song (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh man, my walk. I've never had an actual fighter uh, answer that question, so this will be a good one. My walk-on song was always uh, "Jump Around" by House of Pain, just because it okay. just got me happy and pumped. And I don't go; I never went into a fight angry. Never did. Mm-hmm. I was always just kind of happy, like, yeah, I'm getting paid to do this. This is great. I love it.
1: <laughs> what's the favorite? I'm sorry. What's your favorite unit you've ever been a part of?
2: Uh, it definitely, I'd say the gang unit. This is my second time in the gang unit, and is. 100% is my favorite thing to do. I mean, it's a nice break away from going and answering the calls, some of the ridiculous calls, some of the mm-hmm. just mundane things you doing day after day out. You know, one thing I love about law enforcement is that no day is the same, you know, until you, get, until you get behind a desk, most likely, then it might seem a little bit the same. But the gang unit, especially because I don't have to go to those calls. I don't have to take the accident reports. I'm just out here looking for the real bad guys. I'm looking for that small percentage of people that do a large majority of the bad things that take the lives of people, that put people in pain, that... You know, this innocent bystanders end up getting hit. It's my Mm -hmm. favorite. I feel like I make the most difference doing this.
1: Absolutely. Um, Kelly Kapowski or Topanga
2: Lawrence? Ooh, um, uh, yeah, Topanga. All day. Yeah, it was Topanga. It was Topanga. Something about those lips, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the hair. The hair was a thing, too.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Topanga, 100%.
1: Nice. Uh, What was your childhood dream job?
2: To be a firefighter, believe it or not be a firefighter. My dad was a firefighter. My my dad okay. my dad retired after 31 years of uh, being in the fire and that, that's what I was going to be the entire life until those things happened in my teenage years um that changed I went the other way.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean that's all it takes really. Yeah. Um so now if you weren't a cop what would you be doing?
2: Man you, my wife asked me that and I'm and I tell her I have no idea. Honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean with the if I had to quit like tomorrow I'd use my skill set and I'd go around and I'd try to teach officers. I try to mm. help out where I could. Without my skill set, I honestly do not know. <laughs> I, right. I don't I don't think I'd have the, the same fulfillment. You know, I, I, I say, you know, people people might say, you know, anyone can do this job, but you know, I say we do this because not because others uh can't and we can, but because we will and others won't.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. I had an instructor in the academy who said uh same question about his son uh, when he became a cop, and he was like, "Well, if not him, who? Like,
2: boom, boom. absolutely. I, I mean,
1: it, it's nail on the head.
2: It's a calling, man. Uh,
1: <laughs> it is, and you know, what you said about fulfillment, like, you know, I, I always say that this job is a job. It definitely is, but at the same time, you don't. If you, if we went somewhere else, some other profession." it doesn't matter what it is really, except for maybe like a small percentage of things, uh-huh. you're not going to get the kind of fulfillment, the rewarding feeling that it comes from what we do yes. day in, day out. Absolutely. And Absolutely. that's where, that's where it becomes a calling. Yeah. Because, you know, I can go, you know, work a really nice job, make a lot of money, that's fine, but it's not going to have the same impact. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to cause the same reaction to me internally yes. than what I do right now. Absolutely. All right. Who is your favorite Looney Tune?
2: Tasmanian Devil. Nice. Nice dude's nice as heck. He just likes to break stuff, man. Just let him. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What is the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you?
2: Um, you know, one thing pops to mind, and it actually right when I started law enforcement, and an officer who kind of took me under his wing. He retired um, years ago, and um, he told me. He said, "Hey, never let this job take your smile." Never let this job take your smile. That's it. And that was it. And that's all he said. And, you know, once you start the job and you start seeing the things you do and you start, you know, whether it be on the street or the administration or just the bad attitudes, man, I see what he meant. It's too easy for it to let it to become just down and out and become just, you know, angry at the world. But you can't let it, man. Don't let this job take your smile, man. Look at the positive.
1: Yeah, that's that's great advice. Um, and that can go. I mean, that can last an entire career. Yeah. You just keep that mantra in your in your head. Uh-huh. That's a good, good one to have. Absolutely. Um, if you were given a do over, what is something in your life that you would do differently?
2: You know what? Everything that I've done in life has made me the person I am. So nothing.
1: Good. Good answer. What is your favorite late night snack?
2: Peanut butter and jelly. Really?
1: Going old school?
2: Yep. 100% peanut butter and jelly. My, my Grape jelly know. or strawberry? Ooh, or? man. Strawberry or raspberry. You know, I, I grape's, grapes a little bland for me, but no, yeah. man. Yeah, my wife hates it because she swears that every single time she finds jelly on random places here in the kitchen <laughs> or whatever. And she's probably right. <laughs> she, I mean, wives always are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she, she always finds that one spot that you didn't check. That's oh, I mean.
2: absolutely, man. She's she's my number one supporter, man. I I couldn't be, imagine being married to a cop, man. Number one supporter, right there. Very nice.
1: All right, last question: If you were stuck in a foxhole, who would you want to be trapped with to help you out?
2: To actually help me out of there, mm-hmm. man. I'm more afraid of people coming in if I can get out. I'm gonna have John Wick in there. I'm gonna have John Wick in there with me, man.
1: Nice. All right, man. Well, that concludes signal three. I told you it wasn't all that bad and that concludes our episode. So again, I really want to thank you for taking the time, having a chat with me. It was absolutely great. And before we sign off, is there any social media that you want to plug?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I guess my own. If <laughs> you guys want, to... <laughs> uh, Leo Combat Fitness. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I try to respond to all the messages that I get. If you need places where you need to train, or you have questions about scenarios, I get videos sent to me all the time of body cams or things in the news, and they ask them, you know, what could have been done better. And that's a great attitude to have. People say, "Hey, we don't need to be out here Monday, Monday quarterbacking people." I'm like, "No, no, no." But guess what? You should take these things, take these tragedies, especially where officers are hurt or killed, and learn from them. And if you're not, you're doing them a dishonor to the sacrifice they made.
1: Absolutely. So once again, we have Nick Santos, LEO Combat Fitness. Thank you very much for talking to me, and uh, we'll catch you later. Thank you, bud. all right right, i'm back i swear every time i hear that song i think of the tampa bay rays uh they use it as their rally song at home games or, or from like the opening scene of mrs doubtfire uh anyway once again i want to thank nick santos with leo combat fitness for having that conversation with me i personally think that that was probably definitely the kind of straightforward conversation that all leo need to hear right now and i really hope that my brothers and sisters that are listening apply some of the things that we discussed Alright, so to close out the show today, I really want to discuss a different kind of code for check. Uh, Up until this point, all my code for checks have really been uh, different organizations that can help you in your time of need. Um, A lot of proactive stuff. But this time, I'm going to discuss a a specific mental health issue. And I'm mostly going to be talking out of my ass, so, you know, bear with me. Uh, But it is factual. So what I want to talk about is negative self-talk and anxiety. And I'm going to further extend the bounds of code for check and I'm going to provide a case study. And the case study is me. I know, I know, super personal. So let me tell you a little bit about me and the kind of crap that I go through. And I will preface this in, uh, and tell you that I know, you know how I respond to things isn't healthy, but honesty, right? So here we go. Bad things happen. Let's just say it's something at work. As a matter of fact, recently I had something bad happen at work. Now I'm not talking bad like a murder or a dead child or rape, very bad. But that's that's not where I'm going with this today. Uh, I'm talking something bad in the realm of discipline. Uh, basically, I screwed up and I faced discipline. I know, you know, that sounds pretty standard, and it happens to all of us. And any self-respecting street cop really doesn't shake in their boots at the thought of getting written up while you know, you know, while they're doing what they're supposed to do. It happens. But for me, and as much as I preach Stoic philosophy, I'm really good at overthinking things. Like, really good. World champion level. You can hang up my number in the rafters. I'm really good. It's actually one of the reasons I sought to um, study Stoicism when I found out what it was all about. Um, Since I've been practicing, I've gotten a little bit better at it, but I still do it. So, back to the story. So, I had this pending discipline, and uh, this is... This is where my mind goes. Um, Initially, it's like, oh, man, my supervisor's mad at me. Then it's that my supervisor doesn't respect me and sees me as a liability. Then I start thinking that my squad mates don't respect me and they see me as a joke. And then that insecurity unravels into thinking that the whole department is joking about me. And then from there... I start thinking that the people that follow my podcast and my webpage and my Instagram, they don't actually enjoy my content as much as I think. Then I start thinking I have no friends and that I don't deserve my girlfriend, that my family's pissed at me. And then, you know, I'm I'm really out on the ledge thinking that I'm better off alone. And before you know it, I'm sitting alone in my room and, and just feeling like I'm in this dark pit of despair. And after a while, I'm able to dig myself out, but I still wind up in that dark pit. So that happened. That's what happens to me. It doesn't happen all the time. Like I said, it happens a lot less now that I've uh, taken proactive steps to fix my mental thought process, but it does happen. And I share this with you guys, not so you feel sorry for me. It's just a very serious situation that happens to me. And I know that it happens to other people, too. And I, you know, I always try to give a little bit of wisdom in these podcasts and when I uh, post on Instagram and and whenever I was somehow given this platform. So I try to give wisdom and and really it's one thing for me to say, this is what you should do. This is how you should feel. But if I break it down and say, this is what I've done. This is where I came from. This is what I do. There's more validity, right? So really, hopefully all of us that have these issues that, you know, our brains kind of get ahead of ourselves and we start panicking and and getting anxious over things, hopefully we can all rally together away from this negative thinking. We really don't need to add to all the nonsense that's already out there. You know, so that's, I really just want to bring that up, show you where my mind goes. So that way, if your mind kind of gets away from you, A, you're not alone and B, hopefully over the next couple episodes, we can start working to get past it. That's what I would like to do. Um, so with all that, I shall conclude today's show. This episode was definitely longer than, uh, than usual, but I really think that you know everything in this episode, from the disclaimer to the end song in just a few moments, there was really something for everybody. And I really hope that you guys stuck around and, and listened to this whole episode. Um, and I hope you enjoyed it, but I really think that this one uh, was one of the good ones. I think they're all great, but I think that this one specifically had a lot of important stuff in it. Um, If you did enjoy, please click that follow button on whatever you're listening to, your various podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple. If you're on Apple, uh, definitely rate this episode, rate the podcast, um, that way it kind of gets me up in the charts and more people can see it. Leave a review if your platform allows it and even, I don't think Spotify does, but any of the other ones, if you have the chance to rate or review or subscribe or follow, please do so, send this to your buddies, go to the Instagram where I posted the initial link, share it to your story. Just just share, spread the word cuz I really want to continue to grow this podcast and I really want to move on to bigger and better things with it and you know, this is the way to do it, grassroots. Uh, I'm talking directly to my following. You know, I'm very interactive on Instagram and any other ways that you guys want to reach out to me, I try to be available. I definitely want to continue that. So speaking of Instagram, please check out 108 underscore memes if you don't already. Um, I have memes, I have merchandise, I got a lot of stuff on there. Please check it out. There's also some discount codes for coffee, energy drinks, there's a Spotify music list if you want to listen to some of the tunes that I uh feature between the Instagram and the podcast. Um, Speaking of music, the music for today's episodes was Lookers by The Menzingers. We Got This by A Day to Remember. Of course, we just heard Jump Around by House of Pain. And we're going to be closing with Come and Go by Juice World and Marshmallow. So again, thanks again for checking in on the episode, checking out this uh, interview. Hopefully you'll come back next week. Uh, Next week. Listen to this. I have a great conversation planned. Another great person who, um, he's in the cop world. He is a cop. But he also wears many hats. You know, sometimes he's a rapper. Sometimes he's a comedian. And uh, sometimes he's a cop. You know, it's great. And all along, he's humanizing the badge. And it's, it's, it's a great time. Anyway, please check in next week where my guest is Deputy Hookum. You may know him as Forensic. It's going to be amazing. We've uh, we've been working on this for a long time. You definitely do not want to miss this conversation. It's it's amazing. So, as always, until next time, take care of each other and be safe. 10-8 out.
0: I try to be everything that I can, but sometimes I come out as being nothing. I try to be everything that I can, but sometimes I come out as being nothing. I pray to God that he make me a better man. Maybe one day I'm going to stand for something. I'm thanking God that he made you part of the plan. I guess I ain't go through all that hell for nothing.